are returning this week to a story about a guy that I think we can all connect with and relate with. God has selected this particular person to be our pioneer, who's going to show us how to connect with God and who God is in relationship to us. And we're going to learn a lot about how to live with God. And it turns out, this is what we're all going to like, you can be a beginner. You can figure out life with God a little bit at a time. Here's what we've seen the last couple of weeks with this guy, Abram, or Abraham, same name, different timeline. So uh, pick him up wherever we have him. And um, we've already seen that God initiates relationship with us. God wants to be with us. He has big promises for the human race, and he wants us in on those. We've already seen that when we mess up and forget him, he doesn't forget us. We've already seen that he allows for holy do-overs, right? We've already seen that sometimes when we need to start again with God, we have to go back to a place where time with God made sense. And when we go back, we go back and deeper and back and deeper. And all along this journey of being a beginner, what we've seen is that often we are different, but God is not. He does not change. His love is consistent his faithfulness toward us is consistent. His promises are consistent. And that is just as true for us in 2023 as it was in 2000 BC with this guy, Abram. So today, we're going back to Abram. We're asking again, where are you going? Where are we going? And this time we're asking, where are we going when life is not shaping up the way we thought it would? What do we do when we find ourselves in places of uncertainty and even fear because where we are is not where we thought we would be? I told you guys you're going to like Abram, right? If you're not in that place now, it's probably not too hard to tap into. At this stage in Abram's life, he's justifiably concerned that where he is is not where he thought he would be. We saw last week that he'd gone back to a place that he'd known God before in Bethel. And after he arrived there, things got really serious for his nephew Lot. Lot, he and Lot had gone separate directions and Lot had settled into a city where there had been a big battle between kings and he and his family were carried off, were trafficked as prisoners of war. And Abram had to go and rescue Lot and figure out how to do battles with all these kings. We're going to skip over that story for this time around. Um, but now we're getting to Genesis 15 and Abram's back. And all that's happened in terms of God's promises to him is he's just older. <laughs> and not much else seems to have happened. God has promised him children like the dust of the earth. But Sarai is still barren. God's had him walk through all of the land that's going to be his. And he's still living in a tent with no foundation in sight. So I feel good about reading into Abram's emotional life here. We don't quite, we see God's response, which gives me reason to point that direction. But I think um, we could understand that at this stage, Abram probably has some fear. What if he's misunderstood this whole God venture thing? 
Where are we going? Where are we going? So if you're in between where you have been and where you thought you would be at this stage of your life, then you've got a friend in Abram. Amen? Oh man, I love these stories. God's going to speak right into our uncertainty and I'm going to summarize what I think God is saying and it's going to sound really trite unless you've got something substantial to back it up and I hope I give you something really substantial um, by the end of this talk. But God says essentially, Abram, you can't lose the promises I've given you because you didn't earn them. You can't lose them because you didn't earn them. So church, we can't lose this faith that we've been talking about, the certainty of what we hope for, because we never earned the promises to begin with. We can't lose it because we didn't earn it. So let's dive right in and see how this unfolds in Genesis chapter 15. It starts with after these things, after that big battle, that big battle and rescuing Lot, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, for I am your shield and your reward will be great, very great. And pause right there. I think that's enough to absorb to begin with. So I'm going to say this is the word of the Lord and I invite you to respond. Thanks be to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let me pray. Jesus, we need a revelation of who you are because we need your promises to us. We need you. And so would you reveal even this morning more of who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. God speaks his first words out. This is, where I, this is where I get away with, I think, saying that Abram was afraid at this stage in his life. Because God's first words to him are, do not be afraid. I am your shield. Your reward will be very great. It's as if God's saying, essentially, I'm protecting you. I see what you're up against. I see how old you are. I saw what just happened with the battle and how you were tempted and how you didn't take home this bowl of the boar. And I'm here to tell you, I'm, the, I'm your shield. I'm the one protecting you. And I'm the one who will be giving you your reward. And then, if this is your first introduction to Abram, I'm like giving you a reason right now to love him, okay? Here's how Abram responds to this message from God. Verse 2. But Abram says, I want to give you the translation in the New Living Translation just for this first part because I love this so much. Abram says to God, O sovereign Lord, what good are all your blessings when I don't even have a son? Whoo! Can you imagine? Okay, he goes on. I continue childless. Another translation would be, I'm almost dead. I'm not even kidding. And the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. And Abram said, you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir. Can you imagine? You've acknowledged that God is the sovereign Lord, God of all creation. And you speak to him and say, God, what good are all your blessings to me if I don't even have a son? We're learning from Abram how we can interact with God. Isn't this beautiful? You can boldly say to God the things that you are uncertain and afraid of and even disappointed about. What good is your presence to me, God, when I don't even have a job 
when I don't even have a body that works, when I don't even have a partner in life, when I don't even have social security. And you're going to love how God responds because I think this shows you so much of God's character. And I've already told you he doesn't change. This is how God responds to Abram in his fear and his insecurity. Verse 4, behold, the word of the Lord came to him. This man shall not be your heir. Your very own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, look toward the heavens, look toward heaven and number the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your offspring be. This is so holy, friends. Abram's poured out his insecurity and his fear about God's timeline. And God is so gracious to explain to Abram more. God wants to be known. He wants to enter in to life with Abram. And he wants to give Abram a bigger vision for what he's doing. In our fear, God rarely responds to us with a timeline. But he will often respond with a holy imagination about just how big his timeline is. And how that's meant to grow our trust in our everyday uncertainties. So God doesn't tell Abram, Abram, in 15 years, Sarah is going to give you a son, right? We would like that kind of thing. But instead he says, look up at the stars. What I'm going to do is so much more amazing than what's even going to happen in your lifetime. It's going to be so much more amazing than that. Can I, instead of giving you the steps on the timeline, can I, can I bring up your imagination for how I operate in eternity and in the world. I, I think that one of the lessons here is we're learning about faith and what it is to walk with God is to learn that God is not as concerned about get, giving us the bullet points of knowledge as much as he is establishing trust with us about what he is like and how he operates in the world. I'm not saying that faith is anti-intellectual. Um, Judy just said something about that in doing the Lectio Divina. I've actually applied a lot of head knowledge, a lot of brain power to understand God's word. But brain power is not going to deepen my trust as much as applied working with God and discovering him to be unchanging. I once thought that um, life of faith um, with God was a journey of wanting to learn more and more knowledge. After I was confirmed in the Lutheran church, I was given a study Bible, and I meant to bring it up today, but when I practiced with it, all the pages started falling out, and I just thought that's going to be a mess. But what I wanted to show you is I had this idea when I was confirmed that I was going to learn the whole thing cover to cover. So every time we studied a passage of scripture, either in Sunday morning or in Sunday school, I highlighted it because the goal was to get all the pages highlighted, right? We covered James very thoroughly in my Lutheran church, which I think Martin Luther would roll in his grave about, which is hilarious if you're an insider. But anyway, I thought I was close to God because I knew a lot. But knowing a lot about God did not translate into a deeper faith, deeper trust in him. And um, I'm embarrassed to say it did not translate into a deeper love for people because of how much I knew. And that was really revealed when I went to college. I really struggled with anxiety my freshman year 
of college. We didn't diagnose it as such. We diagnosed it as low blood pressure and treated it with steroids, which built up, you know, these whole other levels of insecurity. And that's so fun. But 20 years of learning how my body responds to anxiety, now I know that what was really happening was that I was being physically crippled by my intent on controlling and failing at controlling every hour of my life. And that was a deep place of surrender I needed to get to. So here I was highlighting all these verses, right? Working out everything in my head. But my body didn't know how to trust God. If you could have earned faith, I would have earned my way out of anxiety. Because I was really good at all the things. You better believe I worked at checking off all the boxes to get rid of it, right? But you can't earn your way out of anxiety. And trust is an antithesis to anxiety. It can't be earned. And I couldn't master life with God. I had to learn trust. Faith is not a list of beliefs to assent to like you could highlight in your Bible. It's a relationship of trust with a sovereign God that can look up at the stars and say, ah, here's my place. Here's my place in the cosmic order. Here's my place in the cosmic timeline. You, God, extend through all the generations, and I do not. You know everything that's going to happen, and I do not. And that's actually good. Abram was fearful. <laughs> Love this uh, this moment with him and yet something triggered when he looked up at the stars a level of trust entered in and we know that for sure because of his um because of verse six we see that this moment with god transcended mental assent i'm okay with god knowing the plan of me not and it transitioned to a soul-filled awe and trust here's verse six Abram believed the Lord, and God counted it to him as righteousness. He believed God, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Okay, we got to dig in to these words here. Believed and righteousness. When we read the word believe or trust, those words are the same word whether we're reading in the biblical languages Greek or Hebrew. Belief and trust are the same word. They're interchangeable when you're reading in Greek or Hebrew. But we don't use them interchangeably, do we? We use believe for a mental bullet point, I agree. And we use trust for a heart relational level, I trust you, right? I believe you, I trust you, right? But in Hebrew and Greek, the mind and the heart are connected so that you have confidence in what is being told, you, told to you by this other person, right? So God is good and right and in control. Abram believed and trusted. I have to break that down for us because we just come from a different worldview, right? 
So he had his mind, when he looked up at the stars, it wrapped up his mind and his soul in the imagination of future descendants as innumerable as the stars in the sky. And he found security in God's promise. And that combo in that moment was counted to him as righteousness. A good picture for the word righteousness is the idea of standing before a judge and wondering if you're innocent or guilty. And, an, and a judge could declare you righteous by not just acquitting you, but declaring you right. So in this moment of trust, even though Abram has totally screwed up in Egypt, and I won't even talk about what's coming, right? In this moment of mental and soul assent with God's plan and God's power, he stands in clear righteous relationship with God. The church word that we use for that is his sins are forgiven. Every way that he was missing the mark is set right in this moment of trust. At the end of my freshman year, that, um, that burgeoning anxiety, such a fun thing to discover within you, I went to Mexico um, for the summer. My college ministry sent me there with a team, and the whole team was memorizing Romans 8. This is a Bible readers favorite because it begins with there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and it ends with um, who will be able to separate us no, nothing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus the problem is with your when you're memorizing it is there's a whole mess of a back and forth of the law and the spirit that hits you really quickly and it makes it really difficult to memorize and because I had so much highlighted in my Bible I just didn't feel like I needed to memorize Romans 8. And that wasn't the only thing about the team that I brushed off. I wasn't the kid you wanted on your team. So I didn't want to put pesos in to the group purchasing of meals to the group kitchen because I could be thriftier than the group as a whole. You, you really like me. I also didn't want to spend any of my spare time with the team because I was doing better. God, forgive me. I was doing better by becoming friends with all the, the national students there. Oh, the problem was you could see in my behavior and in my lack of love, honestly, that all my knowledge about God was not lining up with the soul of God with the character of God. I had Sunday attendance down, worship songs down, study routine down. I knew more that was not translating to trusting more. If I had pressed on in the memorization of Romans 8, I would have eventually gotten to verse 8, which says, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Those who are trying to check all the bullet points and get God's favor, his right standing, don't stand a chance. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the flesh, but you are in the spirit. Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons and daughters by which we cry out, Abba, Father. God is not looking for us to check all the boxes to get to be in on his promises. He's looking for us to trust him as a good father. 
to accept that belonging to him, to being a part of that family as expansive as the stars in the heaven is a matter of trust that is ours in Jesus. This is a different way of faith than most of us have grown up with. It's a way that looks at the stars in the heaven and said, God really built out this entire family line from Abraham to Jesus and made it possible through Jesus for us all to be adopted in. Why do we resist that? Why do we resist that simple invitation to be adopted? I think um, one reason, at least for me, is that I'm, I'm actually wired to earn your affection, not to receive adoption. I like getting a pat on the back because of all the things that I'm doing. And that sabotages faith. Because faith is, um, how do I want to say this? We sabotage, we sabotage our own walk of faith because we're so daggum capable at getting stuff done. If we were less capable of getting stuff done, we might get to trust a little faster. So in order to live a life of faith, we have to aim for things that are beyond our ability to achieve and to grasp. I can't earn my place before God. That is outside of my ability to achieve. I can't earn my way there. And so that has to be a matter of trust, belief, faith. Abram, I love this guy. He's so capable. He's a wealthy business owner. He's just proved himself by taking 318 people against this army. But you know the one thing he can't make happen? He can't have a son. It's outside of his ability to accomplish. And so that's where God presses in to grow his faith. I just wonder if um, this, is, this is a big leap, so I'm going to put it all in wonder language because I want you to wrestle this out with God. But I wonder if you end up in the pattern of your life where a similar area of anxiety keeps popping up. Could it be that perhaps God is pressing in for a relationship with you there? Because you've been so darn capable at everything else in your life that God has not been able to wedge in to get you to trust him. God's wanting to put in front of you perhaps a promise that's outside of your reach so that you can practice this way of believing in salvation that is outside of your reach, it's outside of your ability to achieve. I think that Abram not having a son is about more than Abram not having a son. I think Abram's learning to trust God to provide for him for his means of eternal salvation, not only for Abram, but for the whole world. What good are all your blessings, God, if I don't even have a son? Well, God's blessings will be made available to all the world, including Abram's descendants. And Abram needs to know from day one that salvation, that belonging to the Lord, is not something, Abram, that's inside of your control. The way of salvation will come through his son, 
and you, Abram, will not be responsible for having a son. That will be God's work, as will his work of salvation. You can't earn faith. It's not a mental ascent you can conquer. I just want, I, I, Lord, I'm just going to pause there, and I just want to pray and um, just ask, Lord, for the frustration places where we've been trying to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, and we've been upset with you about that. Lord, could you just come into that moment, that tender place, and just touch it gently with a confirmation that you care and that you are you're actually good. So, Lord, I just want to entrust your character to those places in people's lives. Amen. Okay. Abram believes God, right? And it's counted to him as righteousness. And that response of interior trust just whips up this beautiful response of God to Abram in this particular moment. And I really want to land here because this is just going to be really cool how this all comes together. Abram and God have one more back and forth, if you can believe it. Abram's already had the like, how could, what are, good are all your blessings if I don't even have a son? He actually doesn't stop pushing back on God there. Then he talks about the land. How can I know for sure that I'm going to have this land? And God gives him this certainty that he's craving. I just, ah, I love our God. Okay, he tells him in verse 13, it says, The Lord says to Abram, know for certain. In the middle of this interaction, God is after certainty for Abram. He's so gracious. He's so gracious. You're so gracious to us, Father to know we need to be certain. And so the certainty that he's going to give Abram is going to be in a covenant that he's going to set up with Abram. Okay, you already know that this is 2000 BC, so we've got some translation work to do culturally to jump back 4,000 years, but we can do it, okay? So he is going to set up this covenant with Abram so that Abram is certain that what God has promised is really going to happen. This is not without precedent, so covenants were a very normal thing in the ancient Near East. Abram just went to battle against all these kings, and you can bet that there were covenants in place with these other kings. Larry, come up, pop up for me. I want to see if I can show you something that is very anachronistic to 2000 BC, but I hope it helps. <laughs> okay. So, okay. In the ancient Near East, super common to set up a covenant so that everybody's sure that we're on the same page, right? So what would happen is something like this. I come up to Larry and I say, I am going to make certain promises to you and here's what I'm going to guarantee and like stick out my arm. This is like way anachronistic, but just go with me. And then Larry says, what, I'm going to hold up my side of the battle or my side of the relationship. Here's what I'm going to do. And we're like, okay, we agree, right? And then with arms still clasped, that's in quotes for the podcast, we are going to say, now while you hold up your side of the bargain and I hold up my side of the bargain, we're going to have mutual rewards. It is going to go well between us, okay? But if you don't hold up your side of the bargain, buddy, then they would do something to demonstrate what would happen to each other if they did not hold up their side of the bargain wasn't always the case, but it was normative to get a sacrifice and to slay it, to say, my life, if I screw this thing up, okay? 
even to the point of taking the two of us, holding hands, and walking between two pieces of the sacrifice, going, I see you, and so may it be if I don't hold up my side of the bargain, it's going to be the end of things for me, right? Yeah. Okay, thanks. We're in covenant. It's good. Okay. So with that in mind, listen to the rest of Genesis 15. I'm going to start with reading verse 7. He said, God says to Abram, I am the Lord who brought you out from Ur of the Chaldeans to give you this land to possess. And Abram said, O Lord God, how am I to know that I shall possess it? And God says to him, bring me a heifer three years old, a female goat three years old, a ram three years old, a turtle dove, and a young pigeon. And he brought him all these and cut them in half and laid each half over against the other. But he didn't cut the birds in half. And when the birds of prey came down on the carcasses, Abram drove them away. As the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell on Abram. Abram's over here in the corner asleep. And behold, dreadful and great darkness fell upon him. Then the Lord said to Abram, Know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there and they will be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterward they shall come out with great possessions. As for you, you shall go to your fathers in peace. You shall be buried in a good old age. And they shall come back here in the fourth generation for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. Okay, which part of the covenant does that sound like? It sounds like God extending his hand, right? And saying, here's what I'm going to do to make good on my promises. And then Abram steps in and says, this is what I'm going to do, right? No. Abram's asleep over here in the corner. Okay, so how does this relationship get sealed up? Okay, let's read verse 17. When the sun had gone down and it was dark, behold, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. On that day, the Lord made a covenant with whom? With Abram, saying to your offspring, I give this land from the river of Egypt to the great river Euphrates and the land of all these people that we can barely pronounce anymore, right? Okay, so who walked between the pieces? The Lord himself did, right? We see this as an early appearance of the Trinity. You have the voice of the Father from heaven. You have Jesus, the offering in the smoking pot. You have the Holy Spirit, the flaming torch. God makes the covenant on himself with Abram. Do you see this? Abram can't uphold any part of the bargain. But God wants a relationship with humanity. He wants his promises of eternal blessing, presence, family, land to be given to the people. But Abram can't hold any of it up. So God comes to walk between the pieces himself, saying, so shall I be, God, if anything happens to screw up the possibility of an eternal family and an eternal homeland and an eternal relationship between me and God. Well, Abraham and his descendants, us, do our best to botch this thing whole, all up. Just go home and read chapter 16. Skip it for Abram's sake. Sorry, buddy, that we remember that. So what's going to happen? 
How are God and humanity going to stay in this relationship? Well, imagine Jesus himself is going to step in as the human representative. He's going to ensure that this covenant really happens. He agrees with the Father as the perfect son, fully God, fully man. He is able to step into the covenant to save us from our sins, to secure for us God's eternal promises, eternal belonging, eternal home in the new heavens and the new earth, eternal access to God. Just as he appeared in 2000 BC-ish to walk through these pieces of the animals, so too 2000 leaders, 2,000 years later, he will walk to the hill of Golgotha and his body will be broken to keep this covenant intact, to make for us as a sacrifice a new covenant in God's blood that allows us to have eternal relationship with him so that we might know for certain that you are adopted into the family of God, the family as innumerable as the stars in the sky. God gives Abram this vision of God himself making the covenant with humanity, enacting the covenant, taking the punishment of the covenant upon himself. This was 4,000 years ago, and God wants for you today the certainty that he is God. He wants your mind at rest do not be afraid. He wants your soul at rest. I am your shield and your reward will be very great. God lets Abram in on his plan for salvation, lets Abram see it in a vision as he's asleep so that we might know for certain we can't earn it. We can't lose it. It's all God-given, God-initiated, and God-completed. I love, I love Romans. I'm like still spending my life understanding it. But one of the passages in Romans says that while we were dead in our transgressions and sins, just as Abram was in a deep sleep, while we were dead in our transgressions and sin, Christ died for us. This covenant has been completed in the finished work of Jesus. Back to Abram, his fear and uncertainty. What good is your presence to us, all your blessings to us, God, when we don't even have? Whatever your fill in the blank is today. If I just worked on memorizing Romans 8 then, Romans 8.18, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Certainty, love, God's glory. This is what God is offering to you. They're not earned, so they can't be lost. Do you want it? They're not going to be given to you based on church attendance, on tithing, on your mental assent, but on trust in Jesus. So as our kids come in, I want to give you a few minutes to actually um, allow your imagination to be... Look up at this plastic fabric. Imagine 
really work your imagination. Could I believe that God actually holds the whole universe? If this were filled with the stars in heaven, if I could see them in the winter in the Pacific Northwest, do I believe and trust that I am counted among them? Not because of what I've earned, but because of what Jesus has done. There's a couple questions on the screen if you get distracted. What's currently bringing you anxiety? Are your fears answered in God's promise of belonging, security, and presence? Do you trust him? You have been listening to the Kitsap House podcast sermon series, a Kitsap House production. We are located in Port Orchard, Washington, with in-person worship every Sunday at 1730 Southeast Mile Hill Drive inside the Raw Gym in the Town Square Mall. Services are 10 a.m. For more information, go online to kitsaphouse.org. Don't forget to subscribe and tell a friend. Thank you, and God bless.